Cops copy log on. No cricket yeah. machines today. Everything's yeah. off. Kids are in nope. the bedroom. Yeah, that's it. Mouth's taped shut. Except for mine. <laughs> exactly. We need yours though. Yeah, yes. it's not gonna barge in. No, I told no I told him nobody over between <laughs> six and seven thirty. Is uh is that the first time your dad's ever barged in on you like that? No. <laughs> no, he always around about... even in high school, girls over. Uh, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Um, two cops talk. <laughs> Once again, it's me, Roxas, Fine Fuzz, and we actually have a special guest today. We're excited about. Say hi, Cammy. Hi, Cammy. Oh my goodness, I hate gotcha. you. <laughs> oh, you got gotcha. I'm super excited to be here. Are you? That's yeah. Cool. I've we, been waiting for this. Ever since it was brought up, huh? Yep. All right. Last week we talked about running from the cops. We answered some questions. Episode one is at 135 downloads. And then nice. episode two, which was released just a few hours ago from where we're at now, is at 46 so far. So that's cool. That's over 150 for the entire podcast. That's awesome. The hype is real. The hype is real. It's really getting real on Instagram. Everybody's yes. loving it. Everybody's yes. sharing it, loving it, giving feedback, so we appreciate that. We all do, for sure. Today, the topic of conversation is women in law enforcement. That's why we have Cami here. Um, we've all worked with Cami. We all worked on the same squad. We've all basically been cops around the same amount of time. Um, she has a little bit more experience that we're going to get into as far as like in past careers and such. Cami, go ahead and tell us just a little bit of general information about yourself, like where you grew up. Um, how many places you've lived, your dream job, that kind of stuff? Um, I grew up in Boise, Idaho for the majority of my life. I was actually born in Southern California. My dad was a cop in San Diego, and then they decided they didn't, they as uh, being my parents, they decided they didn't want to live in that area anymore, so they moved to Idaho when I was about two or three, so most of my life has been in Idaho, um, in some rural areas of Idaho, um, and then more urban, although Idaho is not urban in comparison to this, but um, as far as Idaho goes, <laughs> some both rural and urban areas. Um, I came here to Vegas for the job, and it's the, the only place I've ever lived besides Idaho, or that I remember that I've ever lived besides Idaho. Um, so I came here uh, one week before I started the academy by myself with an apartment. I, I didn't know anybody here. I just kind of started all over for this because um, being a cop was the job I always wanted to do uh, since I was a kid. I think probably because uh, that's what my dad did. He was a hero in my eyes. I wanted to do that. Um, and I grew up to believe that uh, people who are able to do good and be those sheepdogs, as they're called, uh, have a responsibility to do so if they're able. Um, so I thought I'd give it a try myself. So it was in your blood. 
It was, yeah. Like, my dad, his older brother, several of my older cousins are all or were retired um, are officers. So what generation cop does that make you? Um, only second, because it was just my dad and his brother and then some of the other oh. cousins in the family. I mean, there's a lot of us, but it's only only second generation. So did your dad ever try to talk you out of it? No, he did not. Um, I have two sisters, one younger, one older. Um, and uh, he, he told me, we had a conversation not too long ago about uh, the differences in personality between the three of us. And he said, my sisters, neither of them could ever do this just because of their personality. But he always kind of knew that it was something that I could do if I wanted to. He never pressured me one way or the other. I think he kind of inadvertently groomed me to do it because you know how they always say to us once you, you know, when you're in the academy, you always have to have a plan for your family. You know, if anything ever happens, what's your family going to do? Um, and with my dad, if anything ever happened, it was always, I was in charge because he's like, your mom's your mom. She would panic. And your sister's like, what are they going to do? So it was, if anything happened, <laughs> I had to take charge while he handled business. Um, so I don't think that he meant for that to happen. I think he just, it just did naturally. So. Interesting. I always hear like a lot of, like, especially nowadays, the cop dads are like, no, you'll never be a cop. Go be a firefighter. (laughs) You know what? While I was going through, uh, our police academy, my cousin who her dad is a fire chief in uh, California, California department of fire. She was going to the firefighter academy. So we were like sharing our struggles. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get into that a little bit more. Um, I really want to talk about, we kind of always make fun of you for all of your college and education and your report writing. <laughs> you over here and write novels and such. Um, what is your education and how does that help you in the job? Um, I have a bachelor's degree in psychology from Boise State University. Zach. Uh, Uh, To be honest, I don't think the actual psychology part is helpful, but I mean, writing is something I was always good at. I'm not like great at math. I'm more good on the the language side of things. Um, I actually had advanced English in high school, which put me ahead in college, so I didn't have to take a lot of English in college. Um, But that was actually, I also considered majoring in English because I did like to write but then I got tired of writing what everybody else wanted me to write so I just gave up on that but it is helpful to be able to write um I know a lot of I think I've gotten a lot of attention and I don't say like a lot of attention but from um I think the investigative units like PD and stuff have noticed me just because my reports are solid and they can do work with them as opposed to, like, if people don't write down details, if they're they're vague, if they don't know how to explain what actually happened, it can be, you know, because you have to write a report as though you're not going to remember what happened. Because that's happened to me. Like, you go to court and you're like, what the fuck even was this? And the only thing you have to go by is what you wrote down. And people kind of don't it's not that they don't know that I don't think it's just they maybe don't 
understand how to write. People just don't understand how to write. I don't think it's, there's not enough emphasis put on it in schools, I don't think, in my opinion. But being able to write has has helped me a lot. Yeah, this is true because I barely remember what happened yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Like I had, I got a subpoena for, to go to court and I was like, what the hell? I didn't even arrest this guy. Like I looked back at the report and I was like, I didn't even arrest this guy. How can, how can there be a subpoena? How can he be going to court? I didn't arrest him. I didn't even say there was a PC for the arrest in the report because it was kind of, kind of questionable, but I, I documented everything. And I asked, uh, one of the sergeants who used to be a, a patrol detective and I was like, Sarge, how, how can this be like how can I go to court for this when there's no other supplemental report there's nothing to indicate to me that this dude had been arrested because I certainly didn't arrest him I didn't say there's PC so he said sometimes if you write a detailed enough report a detective will say based on that there is PC even if you didn't know if there was if you were unsure they will say, yeah, there's PC, and they'll write a warrant, and somebody else will arrest him based solely on, like, your fucking report, so. Which is a good thing, I guess. It is, yep. And just to clarify, PC is probable cause. Right, you need that to arrest that someone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of have to have that to arrest somebody. Oh, no. <laughs> is that what I've been doing wrong this whole time? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm Holy like crap. <laughs> Um, tell us about your, so me and McDaniel used to ride together, like all the time. Like we were partners, like we were the two that rode together. Um, so we could, oh yeah. When it was allowed oh. all the time. <laughs> now it's not allowed. Now people have a heart attack. Now but... people hate us, but we're not allowed to ride doubles. Yeah, exactly. We okay, won't go that's into my that. political not... spiel for the day. We're not going into that. Um, <laughs> um, but I, I don't know if it was more so because we like to just sit there and like, bicker back and forth about how we hated everybody or what it was but we just enjoyed riding <laughs> together we had a, it's um, not, it wasn't bickering it was like it was bantering we agreed with each other we just yes we just hyped each other up but in a, <laughs> a wrong way <laughs> um, so I know I know a little bit more about like your past careers but tell us about working it was the DEA right yes but you were on the civilian side yes DEA. So tell us about that and explain that to us. All right. DEA, Drug Enforcement Administration, not to be confused with DA as in district attorney, because people, you would be surprised, even law enforcement officers do not know that DEA is Drug Enforcement Administration. It's like the cool people, the ones that bust in and do. They're like the cool version of the FBI. They handle all drug investigations. Not that I'm biased or anything, but they're way cooler than the FBI. Um, but I was, uh, yeah, I was a civilian. I was contracted by a company to work inside a DEA office as a civilian employee. Um, I reported directly to the resident officer in charge, who also was a friend of my dad's, but we won't go into that. Um, but yeah so I worked for the DA civilian I did a lot of paperwork that's why I'm good at paperwork that's why I can look at a paper 
document and be like, oh, this is easy. All you have to do is fill in the boxes. While a lot of people who are officers are like, how do I do this? I'm like, oh, well, you put your name there where it says name. But <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> That's just me. Um, so, yeah. I was an assistant, an investigative assistant. Uh, I did a lot of uh, intelligence work as well. Like, it was really fun. Like, I could be, like, looking for these drug dealers on Facebook. I had a fake Facebook account. Not that we do that. If there's any bad guys listening, that's not a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, But, you know, basic stuff like I would run up their criminal histories. um, What do they call it? Doing a workup? That's what we call it. Criminal histories, just seeing what you can find out about these people with, like, uh, sieges and... So I did that. I, I had a lot of fun. Sometimes I just fucking hung out because there was <laughs> not a lot to do. I made a lot of good friends. Um, the guys around there is like a lot of father figures to me. A lot of them were friends with my dad because my dad was a narcotics detective um, with a canine. So he did a lot of work for them because they don't have their own canines. So when they needed a canine... He was typically the one they called because uh, he was reliable, and uh, they did got a lot of uh, a lot of drugs and a lot of money for them. So um, it's kind of hard going in there with that kind of legacy above my head because you feel like there's a lot resting on you. Because I still to this day I'm like I feel like I'm not ever gonna be half the officer that my dad was. And he's like, hey, can I go on a ride along with you? And I'm like, no, I don't want you to see how stupid I am. Like. <laughs> so. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so at DEA, um, I did a lot of, I actually did a lot of, back to my writing background, I did a lot of proofreading for those guys, um, because they weren't good writers, even federal agents with degrees, not that they weren't good, but they just weren't as good as me, so I proofread, like, search warrants, reports, and that kind of stuff, so I did get really familiar with, that helped me, I mean, I had that advantage on knowing how to write a police report, what goes in a police report, and, and that kind of stuff. Do you think this is maybe this is justification for me being terrible at writing or whatever? Huh. But do you think oh. you're not terrible? You're like you're like just below me. I mean, there's way too. Well, it's like you away. and then and then like Fly and Fuzz and then probably Roxas and then me and then other people with a Clark County education. Roxas is pretty good. <laughs> I use Roxas as my thesaurus and dictionary. Yeah, I just. Wealth of knowledge. <laughs> I'm that intelligent person that doesn't look intelligent. Does do you have a degree, Roxas? Did no, I have zero degree. Oh, me too. And I, I was I, so I lazy in high school, I barely made it through. <laughs> Same. It doesn't mean I wasn't smart. I just didn't care. That was one of those. Agreed. That was the difference. That's exactly how I am. Um, my question though is: Is do you think that as officers we tend to? instead of dumb it down we tend to speak in lingo a lot i feel like and therefore for us reading the report it's like oh yeah like okay i get that but if you were to give the report to somebody that doesn't work downtown or doesn't work in law enforcement they'd be like what the heck are you even talking about i even try not to put cad notes in a way that someone couldn't read them like i i try to dumb it down on everything i do because you never know who's going to read it um but for me personally, I don't, because honestly, I don't care if a civilian reads my report and doesn't understand it, because anybody who needs to understand it is going to. Exactly. Right. So, 
So that's and not a good I excuse do, for me then. <laughs> so one thing that is important is, at least for me, is that you make sure you have all your elements of the crime covered. Like, I write it verbatim, the two wit, because, like, uh, for for domestic battery, for example, it's, uh, did willfully and un- unlawfully use force or violence upon the person of another with whom they have a domestic relationship, right? So I put, did un- willfully and unlawfully use force or violence upon this person, say their name, who is his wife, establishing domestic relationship by punching her in the face three times. So, I mean, you have to spell it out. That's the most important part, I think, is when you do your uh, elements of the crime so that you establish your, and also your probable cause, um, establish that. Like, I can tell that he punched her in the face three times because she has a black eye and there's knuckle marks on her freaking eyebrow or something like that. So that part does have to be really clear-cut and concise, but not necessarily dumb, right? But it has to be, yeah, like I said, crystal, crystal clear, so that there is no doubt. You can't use, like, flowery words. I mean, you can, but it's not going to help you. not going to do any good. Like, uh, the other day, my sergeant was saying, get out of thesaurus if you need to, to make it sound better. And I'm like, ah, I don't really agree with that because sometimes the word is just the word. And if, and especially if you're not smart, if you just break out of thesaurus and you say, oh, this is a synonym, <laughs> it doesn't always mean the same thing. And if it's a word you've never freaking like heard before and you're throwing it in there to sound smart, chances are it's going to make you sound stupid. <laughs> I don't disagree. <laughs> Furthering the education really quick, you're going to college again, aren't you, to get your master's? Um, I did I did a couple semesters working on my master's. I I don't know if I'm going to continue that. This is a lot of, it's time consuming, and I don't know. I don't know if I want to do it, but I could always just pick it back up, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I remember you having to go home and, like, read and write, and then coming to work half asleep, because... Mm-hmm. It was nice uh, that it was an online class and it was just basically just read these articles and then, you know, write a response. But, you know, when it's freaking 60 pages of articles, it takes a while. And even though I can read fast, uh, there's only so much you can read, right? Yeah, especially when you just got off of a 12-hour shift and you're falling asleep. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was I was studying uh, global security because uh, I had I have have had, I don't know if I have these plans anymore, but I was thinking about maybe going back to DEA as a special agent because I would like to work overseas um, in, you know, not that international law is really a thing, but protecting U.S. borders from beyond, I guess, is what I would say. So you want to be a spy? Uh, no. That's not it. Nope. I just want to burn drug plantations in Colombia. Oh yeah, <laughs> burn drug plantations. What's your title? I'm an arson specialist. <laughs> All right, let's take it back to kind of the law enforcement side of it. Um, tell us about the academy as a female, and then we're going to move on to like field training and patrol. But did you have? Did people like not respect you, or issues with your academy classmates, um, or even tax staff, where being a female came into play? Okay, so let me uh, preface this with a caveat. My experience is sort of 
unique because I'm a female, but it's mostly unique because uh, I am who I am. So not all women have the same experience. So let's just, I know you're not saying that, but I do want to get that out of the way. Um, so it will, it will be different for all females. And I think your degree of femininity that you display outwardly has uh, a lot to do with it as well. Um, not that it should, but it does. Um, oh man, the Academy. Some parts of the Academy are rough for me. I'll just, I'll just say that much because, um, you guys know me in real life. You've like heard me talk on the radio. My voice is really quiet and they do not like that in the Academy because you're supposed <laughs> to be able to yell and scream and command presence and all that bullshit. Mm. So <laughs> it was like, I had a target on my back the fucking first day. So they, um, when you're in the academy, the first week, they pick out the people that they think are gonna are gonna fail out. Um, they think they pick out the weak ones and they give them leadership roles just to weed them out, basically. Um, so we had this guy, this guy who was terrible. He showed up with his freaking uniform on over his PT uniform. Anyway, nice. They they made him our, our what do they call it? class sergeant? God, I can't even remember. It's been so long. Class sergeant. And then they made me one of the squad sergeants, um, think, I think because they wanted to give, to test me, which, fair enough, I wasn't the, the strongest at PT, physical training, um, and I come off as kind of a little bit passive, I think I'm quiet, you know, uh, however, when we got to that first inspection, that's where you line up. And they scream at you. Have you guys gone over what first inspection is? Do people need to know? Mm, do no. I need to go over that? Um, we probably <laughs> we have plans to do it in a later episode, but you can briefly explain. They scream at you, and they're like, while they're screaming at you, giving the definition of this or verbatim this, this, and this, and so it's just trying to get you super stressed out and amped, and then get you to recite definitions. Um, and as luck would have it, I am really good at reciting definitions word for word, even under stress. So um, I performed really well in our first inspection, which I think was shocking. And I didn't have, and when you, when you fail, they make you do a lot of homework, which keeps you up all night and therefore makes it harder. But I didn't, <laughs> it came down to the point where my, my uh, tax staff was like just looking at me. I could just tell he was trying to find something to make me have a uh, DR a report about, and he finally goes, you have threads hanging from your uniform. 150 <laughs> words about that. I'm like, all right, if that's the best you can do. <laughs> if that's I'll what you it. got, you know what? That's it. But, yeah, so, and it actually got to the point where by the end of the first week, they go to switch you out. Um, the, the failed class sergeant, he was out after like two days. He was so bad. Um, I think the other two made it past the first week, but not all the way. Um, but with me, you know, they're screaming, you're fired, get out of here. But to me, they're just like, go back to your seat, McDaniel. So I felt like it was a little bit of a pat on the back. I wasn't that terrible. I wasn't as terrible as they expected me to be because <laughs> because I was smart. But, you know, I still had trouble on the runs. I mean, I could do all the push-ups, sit-ups, all that stuff. But, dude, I can't run long distance. So that was an issue. I spent the first three weeks, like, falling out, which wasn't fun but eventually I got there and I kind of earned my place but there were there were females in my class there was I think we started out with six of us and three graduated 
Um, but the there were females who were in phenomenal shape and who were keeping up with the guys. Um, so it was probably different for them. They kind of went under the radar. Uh, so it, it more was about, I think, being physically weak uh, than it was about being female. And then, so I had to make up for it on the academic side of things. Um, being out in the field as a female, I mean, okay, it's kind of this way in the academy. It's a male-dominated job, so if you're a female, you draw a lot of attention. You guys know what I'm saying, right? Yes. <laughs> I've told you about <laughs> about the the texts that I've received unsolicited from certain people, and I'm just like, mm. wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, you, know, if, if you, you know my personality, and I think, I'm like, oh, that's kind of fun, but... I'm sure some females. Cammy's <laughs> always down for a good time. I'm sure some women there. don't. Some women don't appreciate that, and it's not like okay. I didn't like do anything, but I I just <laughs> I played with it a little bit. I like entertained the idea, but at the end of the day, I was like, no, that's that's cute, but no, I'm good. <laughs> but um, yeah, being being a girl, um, being a straight female. And, uh, I don't know, like, I don't want to say that I'm attractive, but like mildly attractive, you know, not completely hideous, <laughs> it kind of, it, again, that, that's another target that you put on your back, but it's for something different besides bullets. Yeah. Don't, don't be good looking. <laughs> if that's what you're trying to say, just don't be good looking. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's probably, I don't know, it's probably the same for, for dudes. Maybe it's a little less scary for you guys, though. I don't know, do you guys get random, like, titty pics? No. No, no we're, not, we're not that lucky. No. 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 <laughs> okay. no. People like to take pictures with us, but never, oh, remember never those other people we know. But okay. Yes, that's why I laugh so hard, because me and Cammy work together all the time, and... We we had like two Australian uh, lesbians come up. They were a couple, and they wanted to take her home. Like they they would not leave until, and she finally had to say, "Like I'm not gay. I'm sorry." They were gonna or steal something Cammy. like that. No, okay. And I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't. I have nothing. I have no issue either way. But I didn't know Cammy very well at this time, mm-hmm. and so and we had never really talked about that kind of stuff. So I wasn't sure what to think when it was all happening. <laughs> And then she said something about like a boyfriend or like an ex-boyfriend. And I was like, oh, okay. Now I know where she stands. Cause I didn't want to ask. Cause obviously that's an issue. Well, I was like, you know what? <laughs> I have short hair, which is like, you know, a, a lesbian thing. So, but I am, I am not a lesbian, but no, those, those lesbians that came up to us, me and, uh, Pulse were, were out there. It was on the, Free monster down the tourist corridor 
and they're like, oh, two cute ones, and I'm just like, oh god, here we go. And I think you were kind of you were kind of flattered at first, at first, and then I realized they were just and, trying to soften me up so they could get the hurt. That's what it was. And then they were like, oh, are these real tasers or real guns or something? Because they had seen the, the Fremont security and they didn't have real guns or whatever. I don't know. And they asked if they could take a picture with us, which we did. And then they looked at me and they're like, so how long have you been gay? And I'm like, oh, actually, I'm not. And then for for like several minutes, they're like, are you sure? Are you sure you're not gay? And I was like, I promise. I don't have a boyfriend right now, but I am not gay. <laughs> ah, poor philosopher. He's like, what am I, chopped liver? <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, I see what you did there. Smooth. It was really smooth on their part. It yeah. really was. <laughs> All they had to do was, and the thing is, I'm pretty sure they took the picture to to wedge in between us and then get me out of the way. <laughs> yeah, to get because they took on the either picture. side of me. <laughs> yeah, and then immediately it was uh, everybody was facing away from me and talking to her, and I was like, ah, I see what you did there. Got it. Yeah, but for real, I didn't see it a lot. For whenever I work with whatever you know male officers I work with, I don't see it a lot. I don't know if some I'm just working with the wrong ones, but I know that. Dude, I get I get hit on so much. <laughs> Just working with the wrong ones. But well, you guys, I don't know if you get it. No, it's no. not like it's it's never attractive people. Of course, it's freaking like homeless crackheads. Yeah, I think with with female officers, that's just that should be in the job description because everybody, even posting for questions for you to come on here, my cousin messaged me and he's like, uh, "Can you tell me why?" There's so many hot female officers. <laughs> it's like, no, I don't know, but. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, and even when I, it's hard to date because even people who aren't officers, when they find out you're, oh my God, it's like obligatory. <laughs> you want to handcuff me? And I'm like, no, I don't. No, I am not attracted to you at all. As soon as do I like, do you want sniffless when I put them on you? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for me, it's hard to date because, like, I'm not attracted to someone whose ass I can kick. So, you've got to be. <laughs> and, but then they're like weirdos who are into that kind of dominatrix thing. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Should we put out, like, a an email address for people to hit you up at? No, please don't. On a date. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, we're going to go into story time now. Mm. Uh, I- let cammy go first basically any story from the streets from work that's fun exciting that you want people to know about um it can be relating to us it can be not relating to us just kind of want to hear your stories and your perspective oh so uh this week last week the week that just happened it was for me i say week it was weekend right uh it was fourth of july well half of the city was on fire because all the fireworks obviously i'm driving around call to call it's always either dvs or fireworks calls and i'm like we're not fucking answering these fireworks calls you idiots it's freaking fourth of july and i see this huge ass palm tree it's like one of those fucking 50 foot ones it's on fire like fully on fire and so i pull over and it was on, uh, on like one of those side streets down there. Was it on Houston? Yeah, 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 yeah. I Houston had a call one. at that house. That's funny. Yeah. But anyway, go ahead. So I, <laughs> I, I call out. I'm like, oh crap! We, you know, this palm tree's on fire. If FD's 
not notified they need to expedite this thing's about to and there was like a storage pod in the yard that was also on fire it hadn't gone to the house yet and then at the base of the palm tree oh my god it was so cute this little this little marshall's got his little fire extinguisher like putting out the grass at the bottom of the palm tree and, and, you know as you can see that's futile because this whole fucking 50 foot yeah. palm tree is on fire so I, I pull up and he runs over to me he's like do you have another fire extinguisher and i'm like yeah, but, you know, I don't think that's going to help, so I gave it to him, and he he's, he's running around with this little fire extinguisher, and he uses it all up in, like, 30 seconds, of course, and then the, the grass, like, right next to the house, it's all dry and stuff, starts getting on fire, and the person who lives at the house brings out his hose, and I'm like, okay, put this out right here, and the people across the street bring out their hose, so I'm literally standing here with a freaking garden hose trying to put out a 50-foot palm tree on fire, and I'm just like, I pray to God FD gets here soon, and they get here, they arrive, um, just in the nick of time, I guess, they saved the house, but the storage unit was burned, um, they arrived with three, three officers, but I guess it was, it was a small fire for them, I suppose, so three would be enough, and they, they put out the tree, they put out the grass, they put out the storage pod, and I'm like, cool, this is all done. Arson investigation, right? I don't need to do anything. And I'm getting ready to leave. And this lady comes up to me and she's like, why are you leaving? And I'm like, oh, well, you know, I was just here to make sure nobody died. And she's like, but they set our palm tree on fire or something. She's like, my brother just bought this house yesterday and the guy who's there now is just moving out and that's his storage pod that caught on fire. And I'm like, yeah, yeah a structure caught on fire. That's, that's an arson. That's a fire department thing. So you go talk to them. And she comes back and she says, well, they said it was, it was your investigation. I'm like, I don't know how to investigate a fire. Like, we don't, that's not our, our job. And so I go up to this fire, um, fire guy. I don't know. He was just wearing, like, regular clothes. I don't know if he was just some crew guy who doesn't get to do the glamorous stuff. But I was like, dude, like, are you guys going to do an investigation? He's like, oh, we don't need to. It's fireworks, obviously. And I'm like, oh, wow, cool. Fuck me, right? Um... And so they took off, and I had to do basically a fire arson investigation for a burned down storage pod with all these people's belongings in it. And the guy kept saying um, his stepson's ashes were in the storage pod, which is sad, but he kept saying urine instead of urn. He kept saying urine instead of urn, and I'm just like, I can't deal with this. Like, as if this is stupid enough. <laughs> and I go over there to the next-door neighbors, and I'm like, so what's the deal? And they're like, yeah, well, we were setting off fireworks, and one of them caught the tree on fire. And I'm like, okay. Well, who set it off? Uh, I don't know. We were all setting off. There's like 12 of them. Half of them are kids. So I'm like, what the fuck do I do? So I just wrote a really detailed report, and maybe FD's, or not FD, uh, PD's going to come arrest someone. but. I was like, do I need to arrest this guy right now who's, like, in charge of the fireworks? I don't know. That was that was one that I... It's like, just when you think you know what the fuck you're doing, something stupid like that happens, and you're like, well, I really don't know anything, so... You're back to phase one again. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I need I an do? FTO! Yeah. <laughs> I need an adult here now. Call Flyin' Fuzz. He'll probably know. <laughs> Fuzz, what would you do? Uh, call the FD supervisor and tell him to get the <laughs> out there. He's got an well, answer, at least. 
<laughs> the guy I talked to was a captain. I was like, who are you? He's, I was like, are you the one in charge? He's like, yeah, I'm captain, whatever. I'm like, okay. He's like, all right, bye. Well, okay. So I wrote his name in the report. I was like, Captain blah, blah, said he wasn't going to do an investigation. <sighs> America's real heroes. Good thing they show But up. is it really like... America's real heroes. <laughs> is it really like arson or is it like... It's an insurance thing is like what I was gross thinking. And yeah. That's what I was gross thinking. Damage. I actually... Like an insurance. It, it was... I was just thinking since it's a structure fire rather than just... Because that storage pod's on over. I just did it as a... Uh, destroy property of another but I was like I don't even know because um, they couldn't inventory everything that was destroyed at that time it was like the middle of the night so I'm like I don't even know if we're going with like a freaking grossness or felony I mean it was gonna definitely be at least grossness because that palm tree was huge and worth you know not probably a couple thousand dollars but I, I was just like I'm not gonna arrest anybody right now but I'm just and then the people were super pissed off. They're like, why aren't you going to arrest him? I'm like, even if I arrest him, it's not going to get you your money back. That's going to be a civil claims thing where your insurance and you're going to have to sue them and all that stuff. Like, maybe the court will, will have them pay reparations or something, but that won't be for a while. So, Yeah, I would think it would just be like a report for their insurance company. Like, yes, you do the report. Yeah for destruction of property or whatnot, but they submit that to their insurance company and deal with it that way rather than... And then the yeah, insurance takes small charges, But I don't know. Like, that's that's yeah. how I see it. That's what I had to explain to them. I'm like, this is going to go... It's, it's two directions, you know? There's two branches to this. There's the criminal of them, you know, shooting off illegal fireworks, yes, but that isn't going to get you your money back. That's your civil suit, which is what you're going to have to take care of with your insurance and all that stuff. Hmm. That's what people don't get. Yeah, well, some people just don't understand. They want immediate justice. Right. They think by us taking them to jail that, bam, everything's, like, fixed. And it's like, uh, no. Like, that's not how it works. Oh, I like the ones where they're like, well, he's kicking me out of my room for the night. I need my money back. I'm not leaving until I get my money back. I'm like, no, dude, you got evicted. <laughs> that's not how this yeah. works. <laughs> it's the same with, like, stolen stuff. When people call and they're like, oh, someone stole my bike or whatever. Yep. All they really care about is the report, so because they hope that we're going to find their bicycle. That's all they really yeah. care about. They're like, go yeah. look for it right now. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> I got <laughs> I got a lot of other stuff I got to do. Call 311. People are getting shot right now. <laughs> but yeah, I'll go look for your bike. <laughs> oh my goodness. I have so many stories with Cammy that every time she says something, I'm like, yeah, we've done that. Yeah, we've done that. Yeah, we've done that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have a story that we were all involved in. Um, I don't remember what weekend it was, but I'm going to start from the top. I believe to kind of you guys, it was St. Patty's day of last year. Yep. Yes, it was. All right. It's always the same problem every year. Yep. St. Patty's day. Let me paint the picture for you of what (laughs) me and what, (laughs) let me paint the picture for you and kind of set the scene a little bit. Okay. Me and Cammy are on a call. Cammy and I. Yeah, Cammy and I are on a call. Um, essentially, it was some drunk dude passed out in front of the wrong house with a <laughs> cell phone in his hand, and the homeowners were watching through their cameras and thought it was a gun, and it was a big deal. Well, everybody left, and me and Cammy are sitting on the sidewalk with this male in handcuffs, waiting for his mom to come and get him because he is drunk. Drunk, right. he's drunk, and drunk. 
And I don't know what the concern is as far as what we're supposed to say the entire time, but over the radio, we hear shots fired. And there's a difference between somebody (laughs) shooting either at people or at us and shots fired. Shots fired typically means that we have fired shots at somebody and that's an officer involved shooting. Well, this wasn't. This was at the El Cortez Casino, Hotel and Casino, a bunch of bikers, Mongols, and Hells Angels, I believe. We're all Vagos. partying it up. Vagos? Yeah. Okay. Vagos. We're all partying it up for St. Patty's Day weekend and their their rival biker gangs. And so me and Cammy take this dude out of handcuffs, throw all of his stuff on the grass, lay him down on the grass for the leaf. Say, hey, stay here, wait for your mom. And just start hauling to this uh shooting that we're not sure what's going on yet. Well then we arrive and we have two people on our squad. We'll call them Mahar and Hold Smith. on. We haven't you, you forgot the that might have been broken bottles part. Oh I was Oh guessing. yeah, I forgot <laughs> about that. Oh man. Is that story? <laughs> I think it was. Uh, uh, somebody came over the radio and said it was a glass bottle, like somebody was breaking glass bottles. It wasn't gunshots. No, no. It might have been glass bottles because there were broken bottles on the ground. Something like that. No, Evidence them was, was gunshots. <laughs> it was a shit show was, from the beginning. It was a, it was a lot of gunshots. <laughs> I think we found like five or six uh, bullet holes. Um, a lot of gunshots. Anyways, so then we so we hear this, and so we're still we're still rolling um, lights and sirens and we arrive and we have two of our guys from our squad inside the casino with somebody with a gunshot wound on the ground, um, a biker gang member, right? So you have two of our guys providing medical care to a biker gang member with a bunch of biker gang members surrounding them, which hopefully they're at this point concerned more for the safety of their friend rather than hurting us. Uh, However, we arrive and we see 12 officers, no pun intended, standing outside against the wall, uh, more so preparing, you know, in their defense for maybe an active shooter type situation to go in as a team. Um, However, we knew we had people inside. So we legit, they're standing out there with their guns (laughs) out, lost like chickens. And we run right past them through the doors to get to our guys. And then all four of us meet up. So somebody else can kind of take it from here because all four of us were involved in the next well, events. Roxas and I arrived because we were on main street somewhere when this came out and we arrived at like seventh and Ogden area. I think. Yes. Was that right? Roxas? Yep. That's where we left. And then we ran in, yeah. And then we ran in through the garage and then they have a door right there to get in the El Cortez. That's where we ran into initially. And that's where we met up with uh, them preventing, medical care to that guy in front of the elevator. So I think that's where we all met up and we were like, okay, we got to go upstairs. Cause somebody told so us I think we had floor. a room number. Yeah. Someone had a yeah. Floor yeah. room number for us. Is that all you're going to say? Fuzz? That's it. No, no. Uh, Pulsey can resume the story. That was our part. Pretty well, much. well, so <laughs> I want to point out that all of us except the Roxas are, are under five, eight, yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> including our sergeant that was with us. And it was it was the four of us. So it was Roxas, Fuzz, me, Cammy, and then our sergeant. I had my shotgun. Uh they all had their pistols. And 
were standing in this elevator trying to go up. Well, we didn't know due to other events in the past that security now had to swipe an ID to let you up an elevator. So we're standing in this elevator. The doors close. We hit the room number. (laughs) Our sergeant hit the room number again. And just imagine the elevator music playing in the background as we sat there and look at each other. And finally, somebody says that we have to have security. <laughs> so then we, yep. The door opens so we, back up we, we and we have not left the floor yet. <laughs> <laughs> We're still faced with our guys on the ground providing medical aid. Um, and it's a, it's a short ride up. Or it's a long ride up. And it's very slow ride uh, from the first floor to, like, I think it was, like, the fourth floor. Yeah. And we're just like, hmm. And we're all talking, like, just nonchalantly. Nothing happened. And it's like a movie, man. Mm-hmm. Like, doors close, peaceful, talking, laughing. Doors open. Okay, game on. Yep. Uh, biker gangs are walking past us. We're pushing them out of the way, going to the rooms. There was two rooms involved. And I think there was, like, about two people in each room. Or there was four people up there mm-hmm. that we took into custody. And... I don't, I mean, I think Cammy and Roxas cleared the first room, right? Yeah, we went, well, actually, you went into the first room, and then you went out, and I stayed with the dude who was shot in the arm, and I put a tourniquet on him, and he cried. Um, (laughs) He cried a lot. (laughs) He did. He he cried a lot for being a big, bad biker game. Yeah, he was shot in the arm. I think he was a prospect. um, He was only armed with a knife. He had a big machete sitting next to him. More on that at the end of the story. Um, so, and then Sarge's like, okay, we need to go to the, the other, clear, clear the rest of it. Cammy, you stay here with this guy. I'm like, I don't want to stay here with this guy. And he's like, sorry, you put your tourniquet on him. You're stuck. What the fuck? Fuck that. So, <laughs> let this lesson be learned. <laughs> so, I got to stay with this guy, and uh, I ended up going to the hospital with him. And, oh yeah, he was disgusting at the hospital saying disgusting things to me um but so i'm sitting there at the hospital with this fucking idiot and over the radio <laughs> comes out oh yeah there's this on camera there's this guy with a knife with no shirt on running around bald head whatever tattoo um we need to find this guy and i'm like i look over oh, fuck. i'm with this guy right now hospital. Like i got him code <laughs> <laughs> so, for one in custody yeah <laughs> he ended up being a suspect <laughs> But yeah, he was like, I think he was a, a prospect, but since he was like, oh no, I'm not one of them officer, they didn't, he didn't make it very far after that. Mm. Oh, oh yes, that's what it was. He totally denounced like any relationship yeah. and stuff and was, and I think he said that when we were going into the room, they kind of gave us a little bit of pushback. We're trying to yell at them to come out of the room. And he's like, oh, he's been shot. Come help. And I was like, well, we're not coming in there with you guys in there, you idiot. Like, it's not how we roll. Yeah. So they kind of gave us a little pushback, but I do want to point out that although we were on the same squad, we never really. This was very new. That was we like went the, to the same squad in what February? Yeah, that was like one of the first times. Yeah. So yeah, this is one of the first times the four of us came together and were working together. And I do want to point out that although that was the case and we were all new, that we were all pretty much on point together. Yeah, we're as far well. as yeah, communication. I think we ended up taking, so we cleared the first room. I went and cleared the second room. Uh, I'm going into the second room and we always announce right before we go in. So Fuzz is holding the hallway in case somebody comes around the corner and I'm holding the room and I'm saying like, please, if you're inside, sound off. 
please if you're inside come out and then i say i continue saying it as i as i enter into the room and i'm clearing the room with my shotgun and i remember saying please if you're in here you better tell me i'm gonna shoot you and it's gonna hurt (laughs) like all like nonchalantly and (laughs) like jokingly and luckily nothing came of that um but I just thought that was funny because I'm walking around with my shotgun full of slugs thinking like, oh, man, if we shoot bit. somebody, <laughs> if we shoot somebody right now, it's, it's game over. That's it. Like it's not going to end well. Good game. F's in chat for that guy. F's in chat for that guy. <laughs> Other than that, then it becomes a stale environment after we get all the dynamic stuff done. Mm-hmm. We just set down a perimeter and we had, there's bullet holes in the stair doors. There's bullet holes in windows of random oh, people's yeah. there are bullet holes bedrooms. Everywhere. I think holes nobody died, players. did they? No. I think the no, worst one was everywhere. the worst one was a guy that got shot in the arm. Like so, they knew. Well, I think the other guy was. Where'd the other guy get shot at? That Maharn Smith. Probably oh, yeah. so, but he's probably fine. Yeah, you're right. There he's was fine. that guy. He's fine. He's fine. He's fine. Eh. Props to them. They were in there. They were in there quick. Yeah, yeah. They were in there really before close. you guys were, and you guys were box. Yeah. So I think we were a little out of that box that day, though. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was a little busy. We were trying to help out with calls like around the box because I we were at like Maine and Washington. I think at the farthest. I mean, we weren't we weren't mm-hmm. that far outside the box, but uh, for the, for clarification, bike units have a bike units have a box around Fremont Street experience in which they are dedicated themselves to as bike units. So that's what we're referring to as the box. But that's a fun story. I like that story, especially because we're all together and we're all one big happy family. That's a heartwarming story. It is. And nobody died. Hopefully our drunk guy made it home. That's that's my biggest concern now. (laughs) Where he had a cozy nap in the grass. I still lay awake at night thinking about our junk friend that (laughs) we just left on the sidewalk. We almost forgot to take cuffs off of him. Yeah. But that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We have, uh, I have four legit questions. Um, I had some others, but I already brought up the one about the hot female cops. So we won't go into that. Mm-hmm. Mainly, obviously, they're going to be for Cami. <laughs> if you guys have something to say or a comment, uh, what you've seen. Because I, I will, I'll preface this. I've met a lot of officers where they they see videos of female officers and they're like, "Oh, females don't belong in this job," <laughs> and all this stuff. And I, I will say, I've met some female officers that I'm like, Ugh, <laughs> kind of a liability. I don't want to work with you." But you but... met some male officers like that too. Oh yes, yes they, exactly. And it has nothing to do with them being female or male. It has to do with their personality or their reactions or their skill set or right. what have you. Um, I've met officers that park in a handicapped spot because they can't walk to the briefing room because they weigh so much. So, mm. but that be said, mm. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, all right. First question, mainly again for Cami. What is the biggest struggle for a female working in the industry? Honestly, I don't think I think we're past that uh, at this this point in history. I don't think there is one common struggle for females i think it depends on the person like we each have our own struggles um and i don't i don't think all females have the same one i don't think uh, maybe not that i would know anything about this but 
I think probably it would be hard for women to balance, like, if they want to have kids and stuff and being a mm, mom. Yeah, good point. Um, because, you know, being pregnant kind of takes you out of the game, but uh, I don't I don't know about that. I haven't experienced that. Um, but for me, like I said earlier, dating has been a huge struggle. <laughs> so that's like that's like the worst of it, honestly. I love my job, and there are times when I feel like I need to prove myself or that I'm treated a little bit differently, but it's it's never been anything huge. I don't feel like I don't belong here. I, I haven't been – I don't feel like an outcast or anything. Is it – so do you get pushback from suspects because you're a female officer? Like, do you have to be more tough or strict with them? I don't think so, to tell you the truth. Um, honestly, I feel like it's maybe a little bit more relaxed because I am less mm. threatening to them, maybe. Um, a lot of it is also, though, about being smart um, and officer safety, which applies for both males and females, and basically exactly. taking away the opportunity for them to take advantage of you before it even arises. Um, I, although I do... I've had this um this conversation with people before probably you guys but it's a little bit different i don't know if you guys have this because like pulsar mentioned we're all small even even uh roxas though you're taller you're you're thin i'm a skinny guy yeah um i think about this a lot i look at a person and i see like if they're like way bigger than me like immediately it goes through my head how much of a threat they would be if they tried to, like, what would I have to do? It's like an instant, how easily could that person kill me thought just based purely on their size. It doesn't even matter if they're a fucking bad guy or not. Like people at the grocery store, if I see them, I'm like, wow, that guy's huge. He could probably kill me if he got me. Um, and I think that that probably comes from, you know, you know, my famous line, this is how we die. I'm always thinking about that. <laughs> That's part of my personality. <laughs> Think about all the ways I could die in any situation. This is it. So, <laughs> um, uh, what was, oh, yeah, we were talking about being tough. But no, really, realistically, I think I have less fights and foot pursuits than most guys. Like, people don't look at me and think, I want to fight her. I need to run from her. Even, I, I don't know if it's because they don't want to be embarrassed if they get caught by me or if I beat them in a fight. I don't know. Or if they just aren't threatened. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but, uh, and also you have to be a little bit smarter. I think I consider myself a little bit smarter than a lot of you guys. Like, uh, I had a foot pursuit once sort of a foot pursuit. Like he ran for me, but he was like right by his house. So he just ran into his house before I could even get out of the car. But there was like this wall. It was like on a berm. So he had to jump up, on a wall but it wasn't a wall so he jumped up and went into his house and rather than jumping up there and chasing him i was like no i'm not gonna do that i'm gonna stay down here behind this wall where i have cover and get more units here so we can make an approach to the house whereas some of the people i can think of would have just chase right after that guy and kick down the door to his house and who knows what have been waiting there inside. <laughs> I'm not going to mention the first name that came to my mind, but you know. <laughs> or like, I was, we had a, we had a couple guys run from us the other day. They wrecked their car. Remember that post where the, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, they ran from us. 
And the partner that I was with at the time, he was like, I'm surprised that you didn't just chase him around the corner. You, like, stopped to, you know, cut the pie. And I'm like, yeah, because I'm not a fucking idiot. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to get shot. (laughs) So there's that. So I think what I'm mainly getting from this is, like, it's mainly just personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there's not really a... Although, obviously, we're all different as far as male and female, but you could have a male with a different personality that is going to have different struggles or Mm -hmm. um, different times with suspects in public and stuff. Uh, This one's kind of a little bit different perspective on it. Why do female cops get along better with male cops rather than most other female officers? Um, Well, I don't know that to be true. I don't know if, like, do you find drama with other females or there's just less drama with males or is that just mm. again depending on I, don't know, I find that backwards sometimes i think the guys in the department i agree drama. oh yeah no i completely agree but i think again that's male to male <laughs> officer whereas... well, you know who says that you know what kind of girls say that the girls who cause the drama so i will tell you why i don't and it's been my whole life, I've just more preferred to hang out with men than women, and it's because I like male attention, and girls don't like that, so girls don't like me. And that's based on me, it has nothing to do, it's my personality, I'm an alpha female, and we don't like each other. Like, the female cop personality, those kind of women tend to gravitate toward that, this uh, job, but uh, I don't think that, like, there's a lot of female officers, women... Like, in the locker room, it seems like everybody gets along. There's, like, a couple people that are kind of standoffish, but, like, yeah, I get along with the girls in the locker room. I'm not going to hang out with them on the weekend. I'd rather hang out with the guys, but that's because, like I said, I like male attention more. I'm more interested in that than having friends, okay? All right. Any, anybody else have any other questions, or did we get any other questions that I missed? I didn't get any specifically. No. Nope. To close us today, we have Roxas's public service announcements. Roxas, explain what this is to us, and then share with us what the public service announcement is for today. Okay. So I've done this before. Flying Fuzz has been around when I've done it. It's pretty much things that it's like a cop's pet peeve when somebody does something that doesn't understand that we see a lot i feel like it's you know my responsibility to put it out there and tell these people what it is that they're doing wrong and why they should stop doing it so the public service announcement for this week is we located a stolen car we're driving down one of the roads and we saw this truck that looked like it was actually it looks like it was burned in the median of the road it was just sitting there wrecked so we do a u-turn we come around we check it sure enough the the truck is stolen well it was completely stripped there was nothing in this truck there was no engine there was no transmission it didn't have seats in it it barely had a steering wheel so we tell dispatch hey you know you can advise the registered owner but make sure you let them know that this vehicle is undrivable due to it not having an engine Dispatch comes back on and says, hey, the uh, RO is on their way. We're like, great, they must have a tow truck. Well, the RO shows up, and it's like him and his four sons and his daughter and a couple of grandkids and no tow truck. 
<laughs> so they show up and they all walk around the car. They're taking pictures of it. Like, hey, guys, you know, I, I know you wanted to make sure that the car didn't run and you're here to pick it up. But, uh, you know, we'd really like to go handle some of these other calls. Could you, you know, get working on getting this car out of the middle of the road? So the public service announcement for this time is just when the cops tell you that your car is undrivable and it's probably missing an engine, because this is not the first time that this has happened. The last time that we had a stolen vehicle, it was two stolen vehicles next to each other. They were both missing the battery, but they were probably both drivable. The first family that shows up is just like this last family. The whole family shows up and no one knows what to do with it. The second family that shows up for the other one comes prepared with a toolkit, a battery, gets the vehicle running and takes off with it. So please be the second family. And if you're going to show up to pick up this car, you bring an engine, a transmission, and probably a bucket seat to put in this truck to get it home because that's going to be the only way you're getting some of these cars home. You should have just gave him the key and been like, here you go. Good that's luck. it. That's good pretty luck. much what we did because we told him like, hey, you guys can call your own tow. And then they showed up and they were like, hey, none of us have any money. Can you call a tow for us? Like, you know what? <laughs> we could have saved ourselves about 30 minutes of wasted time with you guys just not showing up. So public service announcement. Believe the cops when they tell you something. All right, guys, that's it for today. Anybody have anything else to add before we close this? Nope. Bring me back. Bring me back. <laughs> bring you back. All right. We'll, uh, we'll bring you back. <laughs> Valid opinions We'll definitely over have here. you back for sure. Valid opinions, Valid opinions. <laughs> We will definitely bring you back. Other than that, um, thank you for listening. Make sure you share, like, and subscribe. Give us a review. Let us know what we can do better. And other than that, stay safe. Thanks, guys. <laughs>